episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 4, Episode 9, Cleo Rocks. The original air date for this episode was February 6th, 1989. It was directed by Chuck Bowman, and it was written by John Shepard and Rick Drew. John Shepard previously wrote Secret of Parker House, which I think mm. was our last Penny Parker episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, This is his second of ten writing credits for the show, including, well, not including Lost Treasure of Atlantis, the TV movie. Right. And Rick Drew, this is his fourth of seven. He has previously done Thin Ice, Secret of Parker House, and Blood Brothers. Okay, so they both wrote Secret of Parker House. Yeah, there there was a co-writing credit for that one. And I think they have uh, credits in common for the remainder of their work on the show. Uh, Why don't we discuss this episode of Brief? Well, in this episode, Penny Parker returns, as well as someone else. Should we save it for a surprise? Sure, yeah. Uh, and, uh, we might have spoiled it last week, I don't remember. Oh, I can't remember, yeah. <laughs> well, in this episode, Penny Parker is putting on a production of an adaptation of Cleopatra-esque kind of... Cleorox. It's a rock opera about Cleopatra. Right. So, get ready for it. Which reminds me of the Clone High episode where they had a film festival and mm-hmm. everyone did their own uh, <laughs> their own short film, but Cleopatra's was the story of Cleopatra uh, with uh, a soundtrack by Smash Mouth. <laughs> I prefer Joan of Arc's Paella. <laughs> <laughs> Slapping Joan the wall. loves Abe. It was a check it out or at least check out Joan of Arc's student film yeah there was a uh, there's a film festival and all these clones of historical figures have to make their own films and uh, they all get destroyed very early in the festival yeah and uh, Joan of Arc is like there is a god and then Thomas Edison from the projection booth is like uh, everyone's films have been destroyed except for Jones which has actually expanded in the fire and will now be seen in widescreen <laughs> She's like, there is no God. <laughs> uh, it's such a great show. I think, uh, uh, who is, is Andy Dick Thomas Edison? I, think I can't, he is. I can't. I think he does like two or three voices on that show, but it's a uh, good one. Um, we'll put a link to the IMDb page for that in the credits or mm-hmm. in the show notes so you guys can find it. Yeah, but anyway, Cleo yeah, Rocks. Cleo Rocks. We're back to MacGyver here. Uh, MacGyver pulls up to the theater, uh, with a just, standard white banner that says Cleo Rocks yeah, there's, hanging there's above the theater. There's not even a label on the theater. It's just a, a blanket that they wrote mm-hmm. the information about the show on. Uh, and uh, he's kind of like narrating what he's doing. It's right. just like Penny Parker got started in a show and so he he she, he's, he was the first one she called. Yeah. And like he feels like he's a big brother to her and like so like she's family so it's not an obligation to go but like he he felt like oh I want to go support her. Yeah. And when he comes in, the lobby's empty, the whole theater seems to be empty, and he walks into the actual, like, theater space, mm-hmm. sits down in a chair, which it seems to be completely devoid of an audience, yeah. and then suddenly the, the play just starts. Yeah, and, and as he's walking in, a, a video surveillance system is tracking him, and right. we get we get a, a silhouette of someone watching him yeah. and, and saying evil things like, let the show begin, MacGyver. Yeah, um, it almost sounds like uh, uh, Deathlock... Yeah. Quail. Exactly. That's that's the voice I was trying to do. Yeah. As a as a red herring. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, 
Is it? Is it Quail? We don't know. No, we don't know. Because last time we saw Quail, he was dead. <laughs> he got electrocuted and he died. Pretty sure he was dead. Yeah. I think that they're dead. I think lots of people on this show are dead, but sometimes it turns out they're not. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he sits down and, and the show just starts automatically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... It's we get the entire I guess I guess this is the opening number right I would say of Clear Rock. It seems like it. Does, does she come out of the sarcophagus? Yes. At the yeah. Top? Okay. Yeah, she comes. Uh, Penny Parker dressed in uh, scantily clad Egyptian garb. Right. Uh, comes out singing and dancing. Her voice part of the playback, not part of her. Yeah, singing. definitely not Terry Hatcher's actual singing voice. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot, of, but it's it's a really interesting thing for a show to have. An actually choreographed number. I mean, it wasn't like perfectly choreographed, but they obviously practiced. But they it a had little two bit. professional choreographers on the set for mm-hmm. later in the episode. But yeah, you you do what you can to get to yeah. stay on time for a TV show. But uh, they have a big set of like a, a pyramid with a sarcophagus and you know Egyptian pillars and columns. Which and stuff. I refuse to believe that they didn't even have like a sign built for the theater, but they built this entire yeah. stage. So I'm pretty sure that they. Like someone put on an Egyptian themed play, mm-hmm. like Joseph and the Amazing yeah, Technicolor I, Dreamcoat, and just they just borrowed that. the whole set for this episode of MacGyver. I would say that that's very accurate. Yeah. Um, so after the uh, the the song and dance is over, we get the director, Mr. Jacques Leroux, who comes out just criticizing everything that's going up. It's terrible. It's a nightmare. It had no fire. Like he's just but he's just, complimentary of of. Terry Hatcher's work, mm-hmm. but yeah. everybody else he's ripping on. Yeah, he he's in a wheelchair, like he's got a power wheelchair, uh, and uh, he's he's also he's criticizing the Mark Anthony of the story, right? Um, Who is wearing like blue jeans and a white t-shirt mm-hmm. compared to all these other like obviously none of them are accurate to the period, correct? But he's just wearing like what he came in off the street wearing, mm-hmm. which but actually it's a rehearsal so. Well, yeah, but it, it might actually also be part of this show because it yeah. seems like it's like a modern update. It, um, so as uh, so MacGyver comes up onto the stage to kind of talk to Penny as Mr. LaRue, the director, is pulled aside by the theater owner, Benjamin Wintergreen, who's very upset about all the expenses that are right. going into this production. Heir to the Wintergreen fortune. Mm-hmm. Chewing gums. <laughs> yeah, right. That's not true. No, no. He's uh, heir to the wintergreen fortune of this theater. Of this theater that is very unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, he's complaining to LaRue about all the expenses and wondering where all this money's going because it's clearly not going to the star power or the set. Right. Because um, like he, he even lists off some of the things like hydraulics. Yeah. It's like, wh- where are these hydraulics that you bought? Yeah. And then he says, well, how is she supposed to make her, her grand entrance without hydraulics? And it's like, <laughs> she just climbed out of a sarcophagus. Mm-hmm. That was her entrance. There's no hydraulics necessary, but it's all leading up to this grand thing. Yeah. Uh, he also argues about the the hiring of Penny Parker. He says that that her only experiences in singing and dancing is delivering singing telegrams, which, which is actually a callback to the last time that this actor showed up on the series. Yeah, yeah. Because Robert Donner was one of the bad guys in Soft Touch. Mm-hmm. Him and, and Vincent Schiavelli were the amazing hitman pair. Yeah. My favorite part of that episode yeah. was those two guys. Um. Soft Touch is the episode where we're pretty sure the name of the episode is based on the dishwasher detergent. Right. That they never mention the name of. Yeah, the commercial that she got that she locks halfway through the episode. Which it seems like she actually did. Like 
at first we thought it was someone trying to draw her out of the apartment so they could kidnap her, but it seems like she actually just had an audition for a dishwater detergent commercial. Um, But uh, this actor, Robert Donner, will also uh, go on to play Mayor Chamberlain Brown on Legend. Right, the other Richard Dean Anderson. Um, And he'll come back for two more MacGyver episodes uh, as the same character, Milt Bozer, in Serenity and MacGyver's Women. But MacGyver's Women's a flashback episode, right? I don't know. I think that might be the Western episode. Mm. But I'm not 100% sure. Uh, yeah, but I, th- I thought it was interesting that he comes back for Legend as a ma- more ma- more of a like a repeat character. Yeah. Um, with and that John Delancey who who's only in one episode but comes back to play his kind of partner right. yeah, on yeah. that show. John Delancey's great. Yeah, he is. Uh, so Wintergreen leaves the stage, and uh, as he's leaving, uh, the gigantic electric sign that says Cleo Rocks above the stage starts to spark like, yeah, erratically. Yeah, one of the is sparking. And uh, MacGyver notices that the sign is directly above Penny. So he runs and tackles her to the ground before she's, like, final destination to buy this sign. And it actually looks like when he when he hits her to the ground that it, it does swing through the space yeah. where she was standing. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it's, it, I'm sure it's a giant styrofoam sign, but it still looks like it very nearly hit her and that he actually safely knocked her to the ground before mm-hmm. he got there. It's a, it's a pretty big thing to swing down yeah, to. it's a cool stunt. Uh. So with that, they decide to call it a day. Like uh, Larue says, everyone go home, and this is only the the like one of many accidents that have already occurred during right. this production. And Larue like needlessly explains all the all the accidents that have happened. Someone fell down some stairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone uh, got uh, locked in the furnace yeah, room. Like a janitor locked himself in a furnace overnight and almost <laughs> cooked himself to death. And of course, this plot of all the repeat accidents was later adapted into Spider Man Turn Off the Dark. Um, <laughs> So I'm pretty sure that's a ripoff of MacGyver. Yeah, everything is. Um, yeah. Now, Jacques LaRue is spending a lot of time talking to MacGyver and getting very close to him yeah. physically. For th- it's, Plenty of time for, for us as an audience to realize that his hair doesn't match his goatee yeah. in color. And that all. his voice sounds familiar and his crazy eyes look familiar. Yeah. Um, but MacGyver doesn't notice. Uh so as they as MacGyver and Penny kind of walk back to her room, uh, Penny notices that there's been a flower delivery for her for Aww. her performance. Oh, it's great! There's a card that reads "To her future," but the flowers are all dead. Right, it's like a big bundle of dead roses. Uh, so she just takes it as like kind of like a a weird joke or maybe some other kind of prank that the cast is pulling on her. Yeah. Why I don't know. It doesn't seem like the cast has a very like cohesive nature. Yeah. Uh, they all seem very, like, agitated towards each other. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, LaRue enters at that point again. It's weird. Like, he was just with them, and then all of a sudden he's back with them again. Like, yeah. he left for just for a moment for them to talk, and then came back into the room. Just to remind Penny that tomorrow they need to practice the seduction number. Yeah. Uh, and it's just gonna be the two of them. Right. And then he's like, pardon the interruption, and then mm-hmm. And uh, so MacGyver says, well, you know, you're obviously busy. I'm going to head out of here. And on the way out, he notices that the Cleo Rocks sign has been moved from the stage to this, this hallway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So MacGyver starts uh, kind of like examining the uh, with the broken wire. Yeah. But as he does, Wintergreen comes out and uh, kind of asks who he is and what he's doing around here. And when MacGyver kind of like hints at the fact that there might be some accidents or something going on, Wintergreen very suspiciously demands that he leave. Yeah, he says, you need to get out of here. 
And then he's like, you shouldn't even be back here. It's dangerous back yeah. here. Like, he's threatening him. Yeah. Even though, I don't know. Uh, yeah. It's clearly that Wintergreen is the villain of this story. Yeah. At this point. Um, so, MacGyver immediately heads over to the Phoenix Foundation to start talking to Pete about the show and the accident. And he wants Pete to run a check on Wintergreen. Right. This is, like, the only point of this scene was just a... He could have made a phone call, I feel. Yeah. But, like, he drove all the way to the Foundation. Uh and then all of a sudden, it's the next day, but we don't know. Kind it, of the next day, yeah. yeah it feels it, like it's later that night. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's got to be the next day because it's time for the, the next rehearsal. Right. So, but... But they just make it feel like it's really late at night at the beginning, and then they suddenly switch the clock on you. Yeah, because Penny walks into Wintergreen's office, and it's, like, very dark and dim, but she's wearing different clothes. Right. Uh, and she's just kind of, like, questioning Wintergreen's attitude towards her. And he's just being very harsh and saying, yeah. like, you're not anybody. No one cares to see you. Unless you make me money, I don't care. Right. Uh, so as Penny makes her way through the stage, again, it seems like it's really late at night because there's no one around. It's all it's dark everywhere else. And Penny hears someone and clearly sees someone standing in a doorway looking right. at her. And then the lights go out and we hear this kind of shadowy figure with a squeaky... Squeaky sound accompaniment. Yeah, his seems to be squeaking. Uh, so, yeah, like the squeakiness just gets closer and closer to her. And she runs and hides uh, in the costuming room. Right. And uh, she quickly then runs into MacGyver. Again, MacGyver there... Which, up until the moment she hits MacGyver, it seems like this is happening at like 10 o'clock at night. Right. And then she hits MacGyver, and then the lights come on. And then they go back into the costume room, and it's all well lit compared mm-hmm. to how it looked a second yeah. ago. Uh, and, uh, up on the, uh, on one of like the dress mannequins. I don't know what you call those. Uh, sure. Yeah. It's a, it's a, you know, it's one of the, it's a mannequin that you use like to form, to, to, to tailor a dress. Yeah. Um, on there is a, is a note stabbed with a big, huge knife and, and fake a bunch blood. Of stage blood. Yeah. Which MacGyver, to verify it's stage blood, puts his fingers in it, rubs it together and then brings it to his nose. He goes, yep, that's stage blood. It's like, what if what if it was real blood? Yeah. Well, there you go. Just put your mm, fingers in it. Yep, that's real blood. Let Ew. me taste it a little bit. Yep, yep, that's blood. AB negative. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, the note has this really uh, crazy poem. I actually didn't write down the words of the poem. But uh, it's something along the lines of uh, death awaits. Murder, murder yeah. awaits. Uh, under under the, the yeah, yeah. Uh, under the uh, under the uh, temple of, of Ra. Ra. Uh, Something that begins with D. <laughs> uh, uh, death awaits on the final curtain. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. It's a weird poem arranged very specifically. Yeah. <laughs> and it has a penny slash. Yeah, he's got an like E.E. E. Cummings style to his poetry, whoever wrote this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, above the, the, the poem is, a, is penny slash Terry Hatcher's headshot. Right. It's, yeah. It's, it's definitely Terry Hatcher that shot that they yeah. just put Penny's name on. Which probably infuriated her. It's like, ah. You think so? <laughs> it's like, I don't want people to think that I'm Penny Parker. I still think that. Yeah. More than uh, Lois Lane? Yeah. Well, I think she's Penny Parker because even on that show, I was like, oh, Penny got a show. Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> she's got a new MacGyver now. Um, Mac tries to convince Penny that she should like take some time off. 
from the show because he's now he's now he doesn't believe that the the roses were a prank. He he's thinking that this is a little he bit more. It's a legitimate threat. Yeah, and uh, Larue comes in, and this is where we realize that it's the next morning because right. Larue comes in and says, "I've They're been waiting about to get ready for the seduction number." Yeah, which which he before said it would be tomorrow. Yeah. So at, we never we just never got the indication that it was the next day. It was yeah. really really weird. Uh, so MacGyver now taking more evidence from the scene with him. Not only does he take the knife out of the mannequin and take the note and fold it up and put it in his pocket, but he literally wipes all the blood off the knife. He wipes the blood off the knife. He wraps it in a towel and like, that's not going to, you're wiping the prints off. Um, and then before he leaves, he takes like some of the wire. It's, it's, He's contaminating yeah, he does. everything. He takes the wire from the sign that fell. Yeah, it's. I don't understand why you're not and taking this stuff to, Pete, to the police. He says, he says "Oh yeah, you, you know, this, this, these are legitimate problems. They're mm-hmm. very intentional." He's like, "All right, well, let's see some evidence." And he's like, "Why? Well, I, I I'm took all on the it. evidence. <laughs> I took it all, and it's now it's got all my prints on yeah. it now. Right now, I am the culprit. <laughs> I've I've kind of put myself in a corner here, yeah. Pete. I don't know why I can't stop myself." <laughs> So uh, Penny is working with the choreographer, who is, as you said, is the actual... He's an actual choreographer. Mm-hmm. All his credits are choreographer credits. Um, that they're working on a, like, a, little, a number, and uh, LaRue gives Penny a very fancy white dress, a la Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. And uh, Penny then does a weird dance number with it, like she did in the Parker house. Right. Like... LaRue play- She's holding the dress up to herself like someone really liked the way that looked and so they decided they yeah. to do that whole scene again. Yeah, it's the same it's really the same scene from Parker House. Yeah. With the weird music in the background. But this time it's like on screen music. Uh it's like there, there's a term for that when they're playing the music. Uh, synchronous sound. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and uh so yeah, LaRue's playing music for her while she dances, and this scene goes on forever. Like, you think, okay. She's going to stop dancing, but she just keeps dancing. It's like yeah. they padded this episode so much. Oh, there was an earlier moment, too, where MacGyver goes to talk to Wintergreen, and Wintergreen's, like, up a set of stairs, like a spiral staircase. Yeah. And he goes, hold on. I'll come up to you. And we just watch MacGyver climb all these stairs to get yeah. to him. Yeah. And the whole time, like, Wintergreen's <laughs> precariously leaning over this balcony, and you're just sure that someone's going to push him over yeah. the edge. Yeah, and then MacGyver was going to be up there just as, he, and everyone's going to go, it was him. Well, his fingerprints are all over everything. Yeah, and he's got a knife. <laughs> <laughs> a bloody knife in his backpack. Um, so, yeah, Penny, Penny's dancing with a dress, and then all of a sudden we get a shot of Wintergreen watching from the shadows. Yeah. But this is my th- a theory that I'll have, and I'll come back to it later. The reason he's got this horribly blank, open mouth, gaping look, and he slowly slinks and slides backwards like he's falling. Yeah. Into shadow. Yeah. So. We'll come back to that. Yeah, we'll come back to that because it's really bizarre. Yeah. So now we're at MacGyver's, uh, presumably his houseboat. Yeah. Um, It's very. Yeah, we show the houseboat. Yeah, we do show. Okay, yeah, yeah, because I just remember the interior was very, very dark. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know if they were trying to keep it like suspenseful by just making the backgrounds always dark. Yeah. Um, but MacGyver has got a crack torch and a spoon <laughs> and he's, he's cooking up something on this spoon, um, and taking like a good hearty whiff of it. Um, he's taking shavings from the wire that broke right on, from the stage sign and he's able to detect the odor of sulfur 
which, if you don't know, smells like rotten eggs. Yeah. Uh, and he then looks at the poem again and notices that the uh, the structure of the poem is something very suspicious. Yeah. In that the first letter of every line... What is that called? An acrostic or something like that? Oh, I'm sure that there's Where a the, term. Where the first letter of each line, it spells something out. Yeah, so it's it spells out very clearly Murdoch. And we can see it on the camera. Yeah. But... For the sake of the audience, MacGyver has yeah, to take case, a highlighter. In case the people aren't following what MacGyver's looking at, he has to literally yeah. highlight it with yeah. a blue highlighter. And, and they have to use blue because I imagine the yellow probably didn't show up as well on camera. Yeah, the first take was with yellow. Yeah, like, oh, no, we need something pink. No, 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 blue. Do blue. Yeah. I'm sure that that was a creative decision. That was a conversation that happened on yeah. the set. Uh, and he sees that it's Murdoch, and we have a flashback of... The last time we saw Murdoch. The last time we saw Murdoch. The first shot is of him... With a flamethrower taking it to Pete's cabin. Cabin, yeah. And then uh, the the huge like cliff fight in which MacGyver has Murdoch cut his own rope. Yeah. And then fall off the cliff. And then that's when MacGyver finally notices that the knife that was in the dummy. Is the same one the that same he cut knife. the rope with. But he fell probably two thousand feet at least. Oh, it was a and it was a sheer drop. It yeah. was like it wasn't like a tumble drop, it was yeah. straight down. Yeah. So, um, because that's where Mike died. Pretty impressive that he survived that. Because it's the same. No, it's not where Mike died. Yeah, Mike, it was. Yeah, it's the same exact cliff okay. site that that Mike fell off of. Okay, okay. Because that's what the lines that they used to climb down. Yeah, was Mike's. He wanted, okay. to, he wanted to kill MacGyver at the same place, and then we were pointing out how MacGyver would have a really hard time convincing people that two people that he went climbing with happened to die in the exact yeah. same place. Because it was Nikki who was with him. I couldn't remember who the girl was yeah, who Nikki was with him. Yeah, Nikki came back later, but, but Nikki Mike came died at the very beginning of that episode. Because like he was with a girl. Who was it? Which uh, was that was the third time we saw uh, Murdoch die, or the fourth time? Uh, we saw him run. That was the third time. The, yeah, he ran to the abandoned building and blown up. Yeah, but then he was in the big rig, trying to kill yeah, the Pete. Big truck that exploded. So that was the second time. Yeah, and, and so then the this third is, time was this is the third the time. But he's still alive, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, thank God. Um, I was worried. I, <laughs> he's been clearly in front of our eyes this whole episode. Yeah. It's very upsetting. But wait, we haven't seen him yet, have we? Have we? I don't know. <laughs> we're, we're being pretty hard on this episode. Um, so now Pete, for some reason Pete comes to the theater. I can't remember he why. He says he's looking for MacGyver, but as soon as he gets through the doors, he can hear Penny saying, Help, help me, Pete. Help me, Pete. Pete, help. In a very weirdly robotic voice. Yeah. Like, it doesn't sound like a robot, but her tone, her her, her manner of speaking is very like, help me, Pete. Help me. Yeah. But it's clearly Terry Hatcher's voice. I thought it was going to end up that they were auditioning and having her say lines that she wouldn't normally say. And it'd be a recording? Yeah. Or, yeah, it was a recording. Nope. <laughs> it's just Murdoch yeah. doing his voice. Nope. It's yeah. Murdoch. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck Testa. No, Murdoch uh, expelled, or he he, uh, he did this trick mm-hmm. back in the Partners episode. Right, where he was he, Sarah. He played Sarah in the te- in when he got in uh, Bruce McGill's taxi cab, and he spoke with a straight-up woman's voice. Yeah. And he's doing it here again with an exact duplication of Terry Hatcher's mm-hmm. voice. But he's sitting at uh, Wintergreen's desk right. in his office. Um, and so he turns around dramatically in the chair and Pete sees that it's Murdoch and 
Murdoch very casually, very slowly points his cane at Pete. Yeah. And then and proceeds Pete just to, looks at it, and then he gasses him. He gasses him for like five straight seconds, and instead of moving out of the way, Pete just stands there and takes just it. Just inhaling as deeply as he can. <laughs> now this, up until this point, they've been leading us in the direction of Wintergreen with not only the, the threatening MacGyver with, you know, you shouldn't be here, it's dangerous, you should get out of here. Mm-hmm. But they also uncover that he's taken out, like, all these, like, insurance heavy policies. insurance policies against the show that in the event of the show getting canceled or something happening to the leading lady would pay off big for him. Mm-hmm. They also keep making the point that he's, like, in debt up to his eyeballs with just trying to run this theater that he inherited from his father. But... um even though he seems to be like really interested in cost cutting, they yeah. do they make a point of having his office look very lavish mm-hmm. to the point that like he's literally sitting in like a golden chair, yeah, and he has like a giant birdcage, which I think is the same one for Murderer Sky in his <laughs> office. But um, and then here we suddenly notice oh, he's not in the office anymore. Yeah, it's not he's not running the show, or was he? Was he the Who whole knows? time? Uh, Murdoch's probably just as good at imitating Wintergreen's voice. Yeah, exactly. Probably more so because yeah. it's a male. Maybe not, though. So we cut from Wintergreen's office to underground dungeon right. <laughs> with a flaming pool and a giant cage. It's, yeah. Where was this built? I love that he doesn't even have to like go in and turn on switches for the flames. Like they're just going. Oh, they're always on. That's where all this expense is coming from. It turns out all this money that the 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 theater owner noticed bleeding from the budget is all going into this underground dungeon that Murdoch is running. Uh, And it's got to be filled with like carbon monoxide from the burning of all that gas. Yeah. Uh, Very poorly ventilated. It's underground. Yeah. So Murdoch casually puts pete in a cave pete seems very willing to cooperate to get into the cage and then he he suspends the cage out over the flaming pool now i don't think that the pool is supposed to be acid i think it's just supposed to be water i think it can't it has to be water just based on what happens at the end of the episode yeah but so so i don't think the water is even hot yeah because the tubes that are flaming are just coming out of the surface of the water right i don't get what the flames except for just effect just dramatic effect He, he wanted a flaming pool, yeah. and he's going to get it. Yeah. He's Murdoch. He's Murdoch. He's a director at heart. So now Penny arrives at the dr- with the dress, because um, she's, she's looking for LaRue, and uh, as she walks out onto the stage looking for him, like this like kind of thunderous applause starts up from nowhere. And she's reacting to it as though she's like hallucinating it, like she's yeah. imagining it, but it turns out... It's actually a recording that's playing, and she mm-hmm. didn't think it was weird at all. This is like Penny Parker. That that stuff that she took in Parker House, I think, is like Still having flashbacks. Yeah. She's like having acid flashbacks. Yeah. Uh, so she walks onto the stage. Here's the sound, um, and that's when uh, suddenly Murdoch is yeah, complimenting her. Yeah, Murdoch is complimenting her, and Mac arrives onto the stage at the same time. And you just, you just, we don't know where Murdoch is. We just hear his voice. And at this point in the series, uh, Penny does not know who Murdoch is. Right. Um, that, that's actually kind of surprising. This is the first time that they've crossed over. Because yeah. um, she's only met Jack in that one episode too, right? Just the the she, Friends episode? Um, they never had like a full... 
Yeah, I think so, actually. Yeah. Full Penny Parker, Jack Dalton episode. Yeah. So, yeah. So MacGyver tells... Even though in Friends they make it sound like, next season, Penny's going to be an agent at Yeah, CXS. oh my gosh, that would have been so much better. <laughs> and they totally dropped it. Yeah. yeah. And then How about Nikki Carpenter yeah, instead? Nikki Carpenter <laughs> came in season three and everyone was like, nope. Get rid of her. I'm sorry. The boss. Because um, her daughter's on a Man in the High Castle. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's um, It's kind of, kind of, it's like, oh, Alexa Duvall's. I wonder if that's related to Alexa Duvall's. <laughs> I'll have to check that one out. Um, it's okay. It's about to get way better. Maybe? <laughs> now that they drop their show runner now. That, that goes either way for shows. Mm-hmm. So MacGyver tells Penny to uh, go call the police from her dressing room. I would have told her to get out of the building. Yeah. I would have said, like, go out and get help. Don't stay here and get help. Yeah. Um... But when she goes to the room, the uh, the phone doesn't work. But MacGyver also told her to, to stay in there. Yeah. Again, terrible advice, MacGyver. Get her out to safety, then find Murdoch. Yeah. So uh, when MacGyver returns to the stage, Murdoch's voice can be heard now coming from the sarcophagus. Right. And when he opens it, there's just a voice recorder yeah. like or a but radio receiver. But given his propensity for traps, I would not have opened the sarcophagus. I would have just been like, call the police, have them come down here. Investigate the building, because he's not going to kill Pete. Yeah. Like, the pl- whole plan is to have MacGyver kill Pete. Right. Uh, which is like, how's that going to happen? Yeah. Um, so now MacGyver can from the sarcophagus when he found the fake radio. Yeah, he can it's see, just a speaker system inside the sarcophagus right. when he opens it up. He can see someone sitting up on the balcony, like a, a shadowy figure controlling the spotlight. And ironically, the silhouette reminded me of Vincent Schiavelli. Very much so. He's <laughs> wearing like this like hat tr- with this long hair tumbling mm-hmm. out of the sides. So now MacGyver just makes his way up to the balcony. And at this moment, LaRue enters Penny Parker's dressing room, asking what's wrong, what's going on. And, and she's, all, she's trying to tell him there's a madman here. And LaRue's all, a madman? I'm not mad. I'm just very motivated. And right. then he stands up in his squeaky leg brace. You notice that he has a, a braces on his legs, from, mm. pre- presumably from the mountain from, fall. Yeah. And uh, she, he tries to grab hold of Penny, and Penny just Slashes scratches his face. his face. And she draws blood, but when she looks at her nails, and I thought it was just skin. Like, I thought it was yeah. like a big chunk of skin. But it's the prosthetic mask that Murdoch is wearing yeah. to cover up his scarred face. Right, and which he then slowly peels off to reveal to her that he is Murdoch. It's a horrifying reveal, yeah, too. Yeah, it's pretty creepy, and it, it hypnotized my daughter pretty well. <laughs> it, it, my I, two-year-old daughter who saw a guy peeling his face off on the television. Yeah, I likened it to Poltergeist, Yeah, when the guy's like looking in the mirror and just pulling his face yeah. off more and more. But she actually got through this, the fake prosthetic and actually drew blood at From the same face, time. Yeah. yeah. But then when he peels all the stuff off, there's no broken skin anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Uh, he actually put a layer of fake blood and then Underneath applied the, the skin to yeah. make it for more realism. Right, exactly. <laughs> He's very thorough. Yeah. He's uh, a good man. And thorough. And thorough. So as MacGyver makes it up to the balcony, this is where we find the body of Wintergreen. Yeah. So now I can get back to my theory. I think when we saw Wintergreen... Gasping for air, gasping for air, and then sliding backwards into shadow with a blank expression. I think he was dead. I think Murdoch had killed him, and just tried to set his body aside for so he could do the rehearsal with Penny. And we just caught that glimpse of the body falling over. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that was about. If, if he wasn't dead, I don't know why he was just spying on them with that particular look. Yeah, it made no sense. Yeah, but it goes in the same file with him telling MacGyver, you shouldn't be back here, it's dangerous. Yeah. Of things that were only put in the script because they make him a red herring and mm-hmm. don't make any sense for the character. None at all. So now Murdoch has Penny, MacGyver's up on the balcony... So now MacGyver has to run back down to the stage because Murdoch has taken her backstage through a side door. Right. A door that I don't think he even realized was a door. It's like he pushed into a wall on this Egyptian right. set and then went underground. Yeah. It's like a ladder that leads him down. And and he's very gentle with Penny. Like he, He's like yeah. helping her down the ladder. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, there you go. Which is weird that he went down first. You would think you would have your hostage go down first. Or it's like MacGyver in the very first episode where it's like, hey, if I go down first, then I'll watch this person come down the yeah, ladder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, like, in the dress I gave her. But Murdoch was all the way down the ladder, and then he had Penny come down. It's yeah. like, Penny, you want to just slam the door shut yeah. and run away. Yeah, why did she even follow him? <laughs> that would have been really funny. Pete's just down there like, hello? <laughs> I'm sorry, Pete, they got away. <laughs> I guess I'll kill you. <laughs> uh, so Penny sees that Pete is uh, captured in a cage and suspended above the, the flaming pool. Of and, probably room temperature water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the flames must be heating it a little bit. Yeah. I wonder uh, how deep it is, too. It must be deep enough, at least deep enough for the cage. So six feet minimum. Yeah. Uh, but the implication is that now... Murdoch spells out the whole trap. He says, mm-hmm. we have Penny down here. MacGyver's coming here to get her. But when he opens this door, he's going to pull the release trigger mm-hmm. on your cage, which is going to drop you into this tank. Right. And he, he's going to, he informs MacGyver of all of this. Yeah. Because he wants MacGyver to make, actively make the decision that opening this door will kill Pete. So you think, obviously, MacGyver's not going to open the door. But the room that MacGyver's trapped in has a hydraulic press that's going to crush him today. Yeah, it's pushing the floor of his room up. Mm-hmm. So it's going to crush him against basically the stage floor. Yeah. Um, which is good because that gives him plenty of time to devise a way out. The smart way would have have it crushed down. Right. <laughs> to the point where he has no other way to go. Yeah, but because there's a window in the door, he decides that he's going to use basically a line from his jacket. He pulls a thread mm-hmm. out of his jacket and he ties it to his pocket knife so that he can go fishing for the trip line right and unhook it from the release lever on this cage which i don't think would have worked no i don't think so either like it was wrapped around in such a way that pulling it pulling it would only trigger the lever yeah like you'd have to pull and it. he almost accidentally triggers it yeah yeah after he gets the thing unhooked and like so you know pete's trying to guide him and eventually pete just says macgyver stop just open but, the door. But he says that one second into the attempt when yeah. <laughs> MacGyver is impossibly close. And the instructions that Pete's giving are no help at all. Like, lower. Like, lower. Almost. Closer. Closer to the wire. Move it closer to the wire. Like, Hook the wire so you can let me go. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the meantime, Murdoch has taken Penny down a side tunnel. And he's handcuffing her to the, to the ceiling. Yeah. And Penny's trying to... To appeal to him, to 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 the Larue that's inside of Murdoch, right. saying that that Jacques Larue was was a good man who was sweet and romantic and would never do this. And for a moment, Murdoch is like, 
That's because you brought that out in me, Penny. I don't even think it's for a moment. I think the whole time he's in love with her. I yeah. think that's why he was so gentle with her coming down the stair or the ladder. Mm-hmm. I think I think he was genuinely like everything he said on the stage he believed. Yeah. And he and he tells Penny that that I never thought that I could smile again. Yeah. Until I met you. And Penny's all you're killing my best friends and now you're telling me I love you, Penny. Yeah. Instead of just going along with it and saying, "You know what? I'll marry you if you let them go." Yeah, or or like like doing a cool thing that would be a joke later is like like acting like you're like saying I love you too and then we can be together. like something to trick yeah, him something to get her untied at least yeah uh, but instead she just totally rejects him says he's insane gives him more reason to kill her friends yeah and you can see that he's actually kind of hurt by it and he tries to like you can tell because he tries to put on a smile mm-hmm. to be like oh yeah I'm not disappointed at all yeah this, this is but he's crushed by this yeah uh so macgyver is able to now lasso the hydraulic uh the line to the hydraulics right and uh, well it's not the line to the hydraulics well, yeah, it's the, the line to the, the, to the, the lower the cage the, yeah or just drop the cage i guess yeah. um so now he just has you know the span of like a one foot length of the doorway. Yeah, yeah. To he, kick it open so that he can crawl out before he's crushed against the ceiling. Yeah, he gets out in the nick of time. It's a yeah. pretty scary looking thing. Uh, and uh, he swings Pete's cage over, but the lock is still there. And so he just says, you know, Pete, here, you take care of the lock. I'll go get Penny. And Does he give him that little piece of metal? Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. So that's all he has to break the lock. And it's like, this, <laughs> this would never work. And Pete's just kind of like going tap, tap. Tap. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't going to work. work, MacGyver. Uh, MacGyver can hear Penny calling him, like, you know, or calling for him or Pete. Because yeah. she doesn't know who's going to get out alive. Yeah. Um, so MacGyver busts into the next room. Mm-hmm. And for Murdoch, this is, it's clear what happened. MacGyver just busted the door open and killed Pete. And, yeah. Uh, he didn't hear, like, a scream or... I mean, but he could hear probably hear Pete saying, just open the door and save yourself. Yeah. Uh, but MacGyver doesn't correct him here. Like, he mm-hmm. just kind of says, like, oh, you're crazy. What are you doing? Like, yeah. But he doesn't He doesn't say, no, I didn't kill Pete. And so yeah. this whole time I'm expecting Pete to just jump out of the shadows and attack yep. Murdoch from behind. But that, that was, it wasn't even for element of surprise. It was just yeah, like, it was just... just for no reason he doesn't tell him that Pete's still alive. He's had a rough day. Yeah. Let him have that little victory. <laughs> Uh, so now, uh, <laughs> Murdoch is just going to shoot MacGyver. Yeah. And even MacGyver's like, after all of this, you're just going to shoot me? Come on. I've blown you up twice. I threw you off a cliff. You're going to shoot me? And Murdoch's kind of like, yeah, this is the way it's got to be. But Penny then perfects her kick. Kicks and the gun out of his hands. Kicks the gun right out of his hands. And they, uh, MacGyver and Murdoch now have a scuffle. I think the last time we saw this kick was also the last time we saw that bird caged in uh, Murderer Sky. Mm. When uh, when he, uh, the kid, or was it MacGyver kicks it out of the guy's hand? And into, and into the, kid's, the kid's, hand. kid's hands. Yeah. Um, so Penny gets loose as Murdoch and MacGyver scuffle back into the flaming pool room. Uh Pete also manages to get loose, and while uh, Murdoch is, like, slashing at MacGyver with a pocket knife... And he uh, catches him in the palm. Yeah, right in the palm, slices it open. And this is very reminiscent to the fight on the cliff, where MacGyver's losing. Like, he's losing the fight. And uh, with a swing down, I can't remember what he swings at 
MacGyver with, but he knocks a cable loose from the control panel. Right. And. But it's not an important enough cable that the flames stop. No, no. It's just. There's just like giant cable down there that's running something that we don't even see. Yeah, he's got, Murdoch's got this gigantic control panel that you would see at, like, NASA. Maybe it was just running the press for the hydraulic press. I guess, but I think... But that was done functioning by then. Yeah, and and really all you need for that is a button. You don't need this huge control center panel. Um, So with the electrical line cut, MacGyver grabs it and then shocks Murdoch in the leg with it. Yeah, he touches it to the metal brace of his leg mm-hmm. so it's going the whole way up his body yeah oh I, you know what i didn't catch that i thought I'm he was pretty just... sure that's the implication yeah it touches it to that shoe yeah oh my gosh that's so that's so much makes so much more sense i thought <laughs> i thought he was just like hitting him with it just straight up uh but that yeah that makes a lot more sense yeah um and of course murdoch does his classic as he falls into just face first into the like, into... as we discussed before room temperature water oh, yep and just so does not resurface. Yeah. They don't go in after him. They don't try to like. Oh, we do see bubbles coming up. Yeah, we see. Indicating that he's still there. Yeah. And we heard something that opened, sounded like a sewer line being opened up. <laughs> I was not as adept at identifying <laughs> the source of that sound. Um, yeah, so Murdoch doesn't resurface. And Really, the, if there was an open sewer line down there, the whole tank should have drained into it. Right? <laughs> I don't understand why. Or there should have been like Unless that was just sewage. around in this thing. Yeah, it's just, a, it's just some kind of sewage reservoir. Um, it's your choice, MacGyver. You could be crushed to death. Don't dip your friend in this poo juice. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it, MacGyver. <laughs> Stay in there and get crushed to death. I don't want poopy on me. <laughs> oh, poor Pete. Um, so the Act 5 roundup, MacGyver's kind of like looking through Murdoch's file with all these amazing production stills yeah. from the they're show. They're mostly photographs of Murdoch's De- supposed deaths. The only one that's not actually of Murdoch is the one of um, Jack's taxi cab getting blown up. Right. Um, and Which Ma- they, we know exactly where that photo came from because he set up two cameras mm-hmm. to take pictures of it so that it would... Because his MO was that he would take pictures of every murderer that he committed and he would send one copy to the DXS and one mm-hmm. copy to... The, the client. Or he would keep one for himself. Oh, to the client. Right? I think, yeah, I think it goes client. But then he would keep them for himself when it was a personal revenge murder. Yeah. So, uh, MacGyver's saying, like, I'll, I'll be glad to finally close the file on Murdoch. But Pete comes in and says, well, we drained the Not pool. Not so fast. Yeah. They drain the flaming pool. And uh, there's no body and an open sewer line at the bottom. Yeah. So, now I actually they... wish they had cut this Act 5. Yeah. I like it better when we think that Murdoch is dead at the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's... Even though you know, you would yeah. know he never dies. He's a friggin' robot. Yeah. Spoiler alert. No. Um, I also think that this episode would have been better and more of a surprise if we didn't see Murdoch in the first two seconds of the episode. Yeah. Because when MacGyver walks into the theater and we cut to the... the whole red herring of it is, is killed when you have someone talking in a British accent that Wintergreen doesn't have. Yeah, and saying, let the show begin, MacGyver. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, so it's, it's clearly Murdoch. I mean, even if you don't, like, you don't catch Michael Desbarnes in the, in the opening credits. Right. But... See, they, they should hide that stuff sometimes. Mm, but, uh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, this LaRue guy, who's got... 
freaking crazy eyes. Yeah. He's got the crazy eyes. And he's right in front of MacGyver yeah. every single time. He's purposely having close-up conversations with him. It's like he's taunting him. Yeah. Like, come on, MacGyver. Are you seriously? You do? seriously don't recognize me. Is this how unimportant I am to you? Because <laughs> my entire life is about finding you and doing terrible things. To yeah. You. How many times have you seen me so up close? Uh, it's it's really ridiculous. I, didn't... I still would love to see the show we talked about before, which is like between the Murdoch episodes. It's just the story of like Murdoch goes and finds MacGyver because he's the only person who can injure him badly enough that he needs to go through like rehabilitation with this mm. nurse that he ha- is in love with <laughs> and so he like needs someone to send him back to that hospital every time he gets better oh like almost like a weird twisted munchausen's <laughs> yeah and so you think he just hates macgyver and it's like no he just really loves this other person he actually cares deeply for macgyver but macgyver's the only person who can properly injure him without killing him <laughs> his perfect balance of non-violence <laughs> yeah uh yeah, yeah this... if he kept bothering magnum magnum would just shoot him in the face <laughs> Eventually, people get tired of you. Yeah, I need someone who's going to hurt me really badly, but not kill me. Or entrust me to accidentally almost kill myself. Because mm-hmm. falling off a mountain isn't enough to kill Apparently you. Apparently not. I was jitterbugging that very night, <laughs> according to Grandpa Simpson. Uh, this episode's pretty... Pretty silly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, there's too many weird things happening. There's too much nonsense MacGyver should have recognized him. This wintergreen red herring thing didn't make sense. Yeah. It's, well, only because of that one shot earlier in the episode. Like, yeah. oh, I've got you now. It should have just been wintergreen the whole time. And then suddenly, oh, it's not wintergreen. Because they set him up really well. They gave him motives. They gave mm-hmm. him like, everything that they needed. It would have been better if wintergreen was just like happened to be like watching the security feed. Yeah. And, and seeing this stranger walk in and zoom in on him like... Well, who's this guy walking into my theater? Yeah. Like, because then that would make sense later on, at least a little bit, but that he's curious about who's walking in from the street. What if it turned out that Wintergreen was the killer? (laughs) And at the end, (laughs) they captured him, and like LaRue's like, wow, I I didn't see that coming. I'm I'm actually Murdoch. I don't know if you remember me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so. Again, the the TLDR of this episode is Burdock puts on a huge production. And with the the whole point of it is to lure MacGyver in, even though he's never met Penny Parker and doesn't know anything, presumably, of their relationship. Right. Maybe he was watching the whole Parker House episode. Oh, man, that Parker House, that first shot of the weird black amorphous blob moving away from the window <laughs> still freaks me out. Uh, but yeah, that's about it for this one. Yeah, it, it was... Eh. For a Murdoch episode, it's probably my least favorite to date. Yeah, cause, well, Partners is amazing because it yeah. goes through the whole relationship of him and Pete from mm-hmm. the beginning. And, uh, and plus, we get like his crazy Heath Ledger Joker nurse scene. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, there is a cr- another kind of lacking Murdoch one where MacGyver has amnesia and is pretending to be MacGyver. Right. <laughs> Which is like a weird, funny turn of events. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's probably, like, his greatest achievement would be that he is MacGyver now. Yeah. And Pete doesn't notice for, like, two full episodes. <laughs> it's like Smokey <laughs> and the Bandit 3. Smokey is the Bandit. Yeah. On that note... <laughs> um, if you guys have any thoughts you want to share on this episode, you can find us on Twitter, at Opening Gambit. You can find us at Facebook.com slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast or our website, PhoenixFoundationPodcast.com. 
And if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Tune in next week. We're going to be covering Season 4, Episode 10, Fraternity of Thieves, which marks the return of Michael Thornton. That's right. Completely different actor. Yeah, but... And apparently has been working at the Phoenix Foundation. The whole time. Now, how long ago was uh, Family Matter? Like, two seasons back? Yeah, at least. Well, because we're in Season 4. Yeah, so that was Season 2, like, Mm -hmm. mid-Season 2. So, yeah, for... For the last two years, he's been suddenly working at Phoenix Foundation. I guess it's... Or maybe he graduated recently. We'll discuss that next week. Yeah. Well, I think he graduated before Family Matter because it wasn't the whole point that Pete didn't come to the graduation. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was why he was mad at him. But, um, but yeah. Turns out they didn't solve all their relationship problems after mm-hmm. all. So uh, tune in next week. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you.